Hello and welcome to episode 318 of the Rollo and Slappy Show. Today is August 15th. Wait a second. Is this our anniversary? Uh, it was around this time. It is around this time. Um, I have it in my calendar. No, no, you're you're twelve weeks off. Ahead. Yeah. All right. Just excited. Yeah. Um. But today is August fifteenth, two thousand twenty-two. I am Ronald McFlugel, and my co-host Slappy Jones has already butted in. So you heard him talking about. I thought you were going to say something about tractors, but nope. Apparently not. Although the anniversary of the first tractor reference is probably what you said twelve, so probably nineteen days. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> when that started. Uh, it was early on, but I don't know when it was. Was it early on? Because I just have no sense of time memory. With it this. was early on, um, but it was probably like we were probably in the double digits. Um, I don't know about that, actually. So I remember like early on warning guests about that. I don't know. When do we'll we have our have first have... guest? Who was our first? We got to do a history episode one day. Well, we'll, just have our, history. we'll have our uh, historian do that. Yeah, let's bring on our historian. Yeah, and they'll just, you know, any information that we need, they'll just like check the box scores of all of our episodes. Yeah, yeah. go to the stats. Yep. Check our wiki page. Right. Elias, uh, Rallo, and Slappy stats. Yep. Uh, yeah, that would be uh, that'd be kind of neat because there's I can't keep track of so what you're we're on three eighteen already so we're uh, we're well into so, six years right <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was September was our uh, was our first episode so we're okay. about ready to all right when was our first guest I, I have this spreadsheet that I was keeping for oh that's right. Remember that? I got to get yeah. back on that. I moved. It was a year ago. I was in the middle of updating it. Then I moved and then I never. I think I managed my back. spreadsheet for like four episodes. Four episodes? Yeah. How long was our first episode? It was 14 minutes. Our first guest was the Slavic Libertarian. And was he talking about veganism or something? Yes. Yeah. How about that? I think he was our first guest. I haven't heard from him in forever. He was a good dude. He was obviously wrong about veganism. and He was our... in Michael Humer's class, if I remember correctly. Was he? I believe so, because we were... I don't want to dox him. I don't even know where he is. Yeah, I, he just kind of he disappeared. Um, yeah. Which disappeared from Twitter, which is probably good for him. He's probably and a loss know, to the rest of living, us. Living, living a better life. It's a good chance. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm pretty certain that uh, Slavic Libertarian is our first guest. Um. Yeah, we should go back and 
should be easy enough to just get a spreadsheet of stuff. I can just go back on the, uh, I think I can get like a, um, list of all of our, um, all of our posts from yeah. WordPress and then just sort it by podcast episodes and just pull out from the title, um, who guests are. So I think, uh, speaking of guests, I think Carr is probably the most, has the most repeat appearances. Yeah, but also has the lowest grades in our fan polls. Yeah, always, always scores really low. We're trying to help <laughs> yeah. him out, and yeah. he just he just can't help himself. Do you remember there was at one point where we just had him on like four or five episodes in a row or something? Yeah. Just, just bring Carr on, we, we'll just... <laughs> yeah, we'll just talk. We should get him back. He Whatever happened to him? Is he still podcasting? <laughs> well, if you can call it that. Yeah, whatever he does, yeah. Is he still um, in the Bitcoin? I think you know what I think. I think he. Uh, I think he switched to Ethereum, and that's what. Did we're he talk really? About. Yeah. I think wow. So. so we should have had him on today because that's kind of what we're going to talk about a little bit. Yeah. Oh, uh, he's going to kill us. <laughs> <laughs> well, he'll just have to come on and defend himself, I guess. Yeah. I uh, but yeah, I mean, there's been some stupid stuff going on with Ethereum recently, and um, we've kind of avoided talking about all the altcoins explicitly, other than just kind of like mentioning them in passing, because, you know... Because I'm the, not interested in them. What's that? I just don't... Like, I'm not interested in the altcoins at all. Right, right. And for a while, we kind of did that, you know, anti scam thing yeah and that's what was needed at that point and uh i don't think it's like since i don't think it's it's needed to be addressed as much but you know these things like ethereum and other scams are still kind of like hanging around and they're starting to make the news now and i think there's a lot of bitcoiners out there that are kind of confused about how to navigate some of these issues and so i think it's worth talking about um, um, because it's not like, all right. So, uh, there's this coin mixing service in Ethereum, uh, called tornado cash that the developer got arrested by, well, I guess it was, was it the U S who would, I don't even know That's what country arrested him. Yeah, I don't know. And there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of Bitcoiners out there saying like, "Oh, well, this is bad because it sets a really bad precedent for privacy, and this is the first salvo by the state against us." Um, you know, even though we may not like Ethereum. We're still kind of in the same world, if you will, and so bad things that are that happen to them with the state, um, you know, they they can certainly happen to us, and so we need to kind of fight uh, the good fight, even though we don't like Ethereum and and the people in Ethereum necessarily. And on the surface, I understand that, I get it, um, but I think it kind of lacks a lot of nuance. And kind of like 
it's just way too much of like a surface thing and and just it's 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 kind of ju- it's a juvenile approach to it because you know the world is a lot more sophisticated than how people are reacting to things like this so in the case of um well let me take a step back i don't even want to talk about that first because i just want to kind of set it up even even more broadly because even before this tornado cash thing happened there were a lot of people in Bitcoin and everything saying that, uh, oh, well, you shouldn't, Bitcoiners shouldn't be supportive of the SEC cracking down on Ethereum and these other altcoins because the SEC is, they're agents of the state and mm-hmm. the state is bad. And, you know, we shouldn't be calling on the state to, uh, you know, regulate these, you know, things like Ethereum out of existence. Uh, because that weapon will certainly be used against us. And Slappy, what, I mean, what's, what's your initial reactions to that? We're both anarchists. We're, you know, yeah, I mean, good. like my initial reaction, of course, is like, yeah, that uh, would be preferable. I don't want the state involved in anything. I want them to go away and disappear. Um, that's, you know, if you look at a knee-jerk reaction, but if you think about it a little bit, I mean... How else, you know, unless you let let these people get scammed and say, tough luck, how do you, like, how do you stop it? Is it wrong for the state to stop a murderer? Right. I mean, of course I'd be, my preference would be for the state not to exist and we have other ways to deal with it, which I think would lead to fewer crimes and much safer society anyway, so there'd be fewer murders. Um. But the fact that that is where we live and how we deal with them, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to call yeah. the police if they kill your sister? Right. You I know? think a, a property crime, and it's funny because this is stuff that was, it's talked about in every sort of issue with regard to libertarianism. When you're arguing with status or something, when you say, "Well, I don't want the, I don't think the state should exist. I don't think the police should exist," and so they say, "Like, oh, well, you you just want murderers running around, or rapists running around." It's like, well, well no, um, because if someone's committing a property crime, anyone has the authority to intervene and stop, to stop that. And I believe that's crime. like the law now. Like, if I see someone beating someone up, I can legally stop it. Right. Like in the statist world, right? Yeah. Like not only the police can stop something. So it's funny. It's funny. We kind of mentioned Michael Humer uh, a few minutes ago because, you know, Michael Humer in, you know, with ethical intuitionism, he, he, he makes the big point in case that, uh, not, not ethical intuitionism. That's, that is an actual book that he wrote, but that concept, um, is that like, it's this idea that that a badge or a title does not confer like special authority upon someone that they are, you know, a police officer, a politician, any sort of agent of the state, while they have the nice shiny badge and their uniform and the title, that doesn't make them give them any any additional rights than anybody else. 
um, that makes them like anybody else. So like you right. said, like anyone has the authority to go and stop an actual crime from happening. And so it doesn't matter. Likewise, it doesn't matter that, you know, the police officer has a badge. It doesn't mean that he can just like start harassing you and making you, you know, turn your, I don't know, your gun over to him. Um, if you're not committing a crime, likewise, um, having a badge on him doesn't, doesn't remove any authority. If he sees a property crime, even though he's a cop, even though he's funded by the state, he still, it would be a bad idea or not a bad idea, but it'd be wrong for him to like walk by a murder happening and just be like, ah, I'm just going to ignore yeah, nothing. it. I, I don't have authority. Yeah. We, we don't like the state. We don't want the state to be intervening and, and fettering the markets and preventing market solutions from occurring. But, you know, um, I don't think uh, it, it just, it just doesn't make any sense that you would want a cop to just stand down that like a libertarian would say, all right, police, Mr. Police officer, if you see a murder happening because you're funded by the, by the, through theft, I want you to allow other property crimes to happen by standing down. doesn't mean you support what's funding them. But just because there's a wrong, there's a property crime um, involved with funding the police and the state doesn't mean that other property crimes should be allowed allowed to continue. Um, so to tie it back into like Ethereum and stuff, Ethereum is a scam. It is a it is just it's it's totally built on fraud. Is not decentralized. It's it's not censorship resistant. Um, wait, wait! Not- all their like websites for their default, it all says decentralized. What do you mean? Right. Yeah, they could just say words. Yeah. And just calling it decentralized makes it decentralized. Didn't you know that? Yeah. Aren't all the it's, altcoins decentralized? Of course. Yeah. And it's just going to get worse if they ever actually transition to proof of stake. I mean, um, I think like by definition, it's going to be worse. Yeah. Um, so like while I don't want the SEC and these other government ABC agencies to exist, um, I don't think it's a good idea for them to like anyone would have. Again, this is a property crime. Fraud is a property crime. Vitalik Buterin and his ilk, all these uh, meth heads, are committing property crimes uh, by being fraudulent about Ethereum and stealing from people. So anyone would have the authority to intervene and stop them. Um, So that means that, yes, an ABC agency of the state would also have the authority to do that. Um, It just so happens that, like, it's one thing seeing a, you know, an old lady getting her purse taken from her while you're walking down the street versus like a business, which is what Ethereum is, <laughs> um, doing something. It's like much more difficult. Uh, the average person doesn't have the resources to stop like a fraudulent business from operating like, um, mm-hmm. like they would stopping a guy from robbing a little old lady. And that's because the state prevents them from doing that. 
uh, or at least prevents market solutions from popping up that would that would handle it well. So it's almost like, you know, they have more of a uh, obligation to stop it than if they allowed the market to operate and form form its own devices to manage that. Like the police um, say that I can't hire, you know, my own police force to protect me, or at least they make it really difficult to do it. And they steal money from me in order to, to be that service. So yeah, like if someone's committing a crime against me, they absolutely freaking better loot, loot do something to protect me because they've taken away my other options. Um, and so I don't think it's really any different in the case of, uh, you know, fraud and mm-hmm. for the case of Ethereum or something, you know, that said, you know, we've talked about a lot before, like, do I necessarily want to call the police up to stop a, you know, something that I don't like that's going on. I mean, there's, there's a chance that they're going to come show up and shoot me. (laughs) Right. It happens. Yeah. It happens sometimes. I think it's kind of, and, and it's very bad that it happens. I'm not, believe me, I'm not trying to defend it. It is horrific. And the bigger problem is, is that, you know, they, they, they don't face the true consequences of their actions. Yeah, uh, but usually they don't do that. That's um, correct. I'm not, hopefully, wasn't implying that. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's kind of dicey to get the state involved, especially like you know, the, an organization as terrible as the SEC, who couldn't figure out that Bernie Madoff was running a Ponzi scheme, even though he was reported multiple times, and they investigated yeah. him. Yep, but the market so, figured it out. Yeah. So it's not like we're saying that like, oh yes, we want to build up the SEC so they can go after Ethereum and everything. But like, it's it's more like an in principle thing that this is true. Yeah, well, it's a perfect example with Bernie Madoff. Like, yeah, stop him. And that's your job. Whether, again, we disagree with everything that the federal government is doing, but that that guy uh whatever is mark mark markopolis or markopolis whatever his last name was did the math and said bernie madoff this is not possible if he did all the trades and every more he would have had to do more trades than there was on the market that day like it's not possible reported it to the sec they didn't do anything like he can't go in there or he could but he would go to jail because they have the guns right and the legitimized authority and they eventually got him and so are we saying but now they got him when it blew up though right when the market crashed and he didn't he couldn't cover it so the sec never investigated and found it it was found after everyone got hurt and they had the opportunity to stop it and didn't right but eventually you know they you know they didn't get right you said they didn't actually catch him but they um well he's in jail right so they did something about it. like, is anyone saying that like, oh, because the SEC is the only person, only organization that could like, that would really like prosecute him. Oh, they're a government agency and they did a bad job previously on it. So, you know what? You just ought to step aside. Now, I think we did an episode a long time ago about how like even the SEC stepping aside and not doing anything like 
I don't think Bernie Madoff would have exactly made continued to just like open up another shop and and well, start it up again. And what's what? No, I don't think he would. And I think if there was no such thing as the SEC, he would have stopped earlier because if there's everyone just relies on the SEC for whatever reason, like they're the only player in town. So if the SEC investigates and says we're good, then Bernie can go to all his investors and say, no, the SEC was just in here for five days. They looked at everything. Everything is good. Whereas, because I'm sure this guy who, who, who did the math and figured out that this is a scam, he was probably calling Bernie's clients and saying, I know you're getting those 12, 15, 20% returns, but they're not real. Invest with me. You know, we'll get you your seven, eight, whatever they get. But whatever Bernie's doing is not real. And so then they call Bernie and go, yeah, this guy's calling around saying, I, Bernie goes, nah, they're just jealous. The SEC was in here. You yeah. know, so that's like the, the, the all powerful federal government that for whatever reason, everyone just loves. If you haven't been alive for the last two years, then you're not aware of how much people worship the federal government and their decisions. But without that federal government, then you, all you have is your reputation. Yeah, so it's certainly this double-edged sword, um, a bad double-edged sword, because mm-hmm. the longer that they allow you to continue to operate, it just is like it's it's not supposed to be a uh, a blessing by them, but that's what it ends up. But being. it is right because they're the uh, they're the sheriff, and the sheriff is supposed to be keeping an eye on stuff and stopping you know, bad things from happening and people getting, getting cheated. So, um, that's why they like should, you know, um, it's, it's kind of a weird dance to do because it's like, we don't think the sec should exist, but, but they do exist. And since they do exist and they're not making themselves unexist, so the market should handle things. They should, they should take care of stuff as soon as possible. So Ethereum should have been, I mean, these guys should have been arrested and charged ages ago. Um, It's just that, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, at the same time, you don't really trust them. Right. So it's difficult. uh, It is difficult. It's not. I sympathize or empathize, I guess, with the people that say, hey, you know, we don't want the, uh, we're not going to applaud anything the SEC does, even if they. uh... And, you know, I don't think I would either. Well, it's it's like, it's like if they, you know, if the cops catch a serial killer. I know, I know. It's like, yeah, good, we got them, but, you know. But I think the bigger issue is that when you go on your soapbox and you say stuff like, I don't believe that the S, you know, I'm a good libertarian. And so I am going to decry anything that the state does. And so when the SEC is potentially people talk about getting, you know, the SEC getting involved with Ethereum. I don't believe in the state and I don't believe in the SEC. And so therefore I'm going to, you know, virtue signal that, well, we should be having the free market 
regulate this and the free market should be doing that. And I agree with that. The free market should be doing all this, but you're playing into the fraudsters game because they are the ones doing all the affinity scamming too. And it's like, I believe in the free market. Yep. And yes, I believe in the free market. Yeah, let's test it. Let's, let's test things out here. So you're just really end up kind of running cover for them by saying like i believe in the free market and they're going to say like yes we agree with you let's lock arms and and let the market sort this out and then people are going to be like well it's a free market and you know and then it's going to be but then they're also going to think like well if this were bad then the protectors would do something about it Mm -hmm. so they're operating on the open they're working with banks who are like the most regulated in the world. Right. So, you know, the SEC exists and the government exists. So there's theft happening there and that theft is going to happen regardless for a while. So it's a question of while that theft is existing, should we tolerate how much more theft by companies like Ethereum should we tolerate? Um, but then at the end of the day, like me and you having an opinion about this or someone who comes and says, oh, I disagree with you about this. Like it's all well and good, but like our opinions on whether or not the SEC should exist or not, um, doesn't really matter. Yeah. We in, don't really hurt the whether, SEC's feelings either. Right. You know, it's, they're not going to hear enough of us say we're against the SEC. It says, you know what? We should shut that thing down and have the market decide. But what I think is better is saying stuff like, hey, Ethereum is a fraud and they're in violation of SEC rules and those guys are probably going to go to prison at some point mm-hmm. over it because they're running an unregistered security. Um, as opposed to just saying like, well, I don't agree with Ethereum. I think it's bad. Uh, but, you know, we'll let the free market decide like which of those two ways of talking about Ethereum do you think is going to make someone less likely to end up purchasing Ethereum? I think it's kind of clear. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> because especially when uh, Ethereum, you know, the meth heads can take the latter comment and turn it into something else. Now, obviously they can take the other one and say like, oh, look at these statists, but whatever. They're going to call us names anyway. Yep. Which that's the most hilarious thing is that now we can talk about the tornado cash. I mean, I think we beat that horse to death. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Case it's not uh, it's not clear. We don't like the state. We don't want the SEC to exist. But while they do exist, they ought to enforce property rights, just like every other person ought to do. Um. So this tornado cash thing, the government agency went and they um they arrested a, the developer of it. And, you know, everyone's freaking out about it. Um, I forgot the train of, train of thought. 
what were we talking about Bert, when I said let's transition into uh... uh I don't know you were talking about um, the tornado thing yeah I'll think of it um, but so everyone's freaking out and saying this is a you know a shot at privacy and everything and this is the state clamping down on people being able to have uh, have uh, what's it called private transactions. Um, sorry, I'm googling something because I. Didn't... I guess it was the U- U.S. because if you if you type... it was the U.S. I'm pretty sure because it was the Treasury U.S. Treasury went yeah. after them. So. I did just kind of Google because I was trying to figure out like what in the world tornado cash is because I'd never really heard of it. Yeah. And it's a Ethereum coin mixing service. Um, and we've talked about stuff with like privacy, with like coin joining and everything, uh, specifically like join market most recently. And kind of one of the issues that, or, or one of the things that makes uh, join market interesting is that like it actually is distributed and decentralized and that like you kind of are just running your own instance of it. It's open source software um, and you enforce your own rules. And it's kind of difficult to know who's doing what and what's going where. Um, So like just because it's a piece of software that you can decide how you want to run it, however you want to run it, uh, it makes it less obvious that the guys that are developing it are like doing anything nefarious or bad because, hey, I'm just writing code, writing software. But we all know that Ethereum and basically everything on it is centralized. And so while they do talk about like, oh, well, we have a DAO, the decentralized, th- well, whatever. Yeah, it stands for authority organization or something. Yeah, something like that. No, decentralized autonomous organization or something. Yeah, like once again, they just name things nice and say, "Oh, this is this means it's decentralized because we named it this." Just like DeFi, decentralized finance, when it's all centralized. So, Mm -hmm. um, I didn't do much research. I'll admit, I didn't do much research, if you will, on how they run this DAO for for Tornado Cash, but uh. I'm pretty confident it's like everything else that gets run on these uh, these centralized platforms and it's centralized. Like it's probably a website that you go to as opposed to right. like uh, running uh, software yourself and connecting to a network. Because the little thing I did read, did read, if I remember it correctly, it sounds like, well, I... Other people can spin up nodes for this and and can be a part of the DAO for this, which when they're saying like, oh, you can do it this way, it means that they're not, no one's actually doing it that way. I'm sure it's just like a very centralized uh, service. And anyway, like everything else, there's always like precedents for these like cases like this. And it would probably, like, I don't know that, uh, this wouldn't be like a huge landmark case um, if this actually were 
like a decentralized protocol that was being operated as a decentralized protocol that they're uh, um, arresting a developer for it when uh, its use is not explicitly for nefarious purposes. And people might bring up like Ross Ulbricht and stuff. Um, but that wasn't decentralized and they did railroad him and they didn't have, actually they went in the opposite direction of a lot of precedents, but, uh, yeah, so that's a case you could bring up, but when you kind of peel the onion a little bit on this a little bit more and you read what the department of the treasury says, what they're doing especially if you consider this is a centralized service, then it's not so obvious that mm-hmm. like, like, ah, should we be fighting for this guy? Because they immediately make the case that I'll just read it. This is a press release from August 8th from the U S treasury today. The U S department of treasury's office of foreign assets control OFAC sanctioned Virtual currency mixer Tornado Cash, which has been used to launder more than $7 billion worth of virtual currency since its creation in 2019. This includes over $455 million stolen by the Lazarus Group, a Democratic People's Republic of Korea, state-sponsored hacking group that was sanctioned by the U.S. in 2019 and the largest known virtual currency heist to date. Tornado Cash has subsequently used to launder more than $96 million of malicious cyber actors' funds derived from the June 24, 2022 Harmony Bridge heist and at least $7.8 million from the August 2, 2022 Nomad heist. Today's action is being taken pursuant to Executive Order 13694 as amended and follows OFAC's May 6th. 2022 designation of virtual currency mixer blender.io and then they have more stuff about it so um let's take them at their word so we can steel man this and say yes like this is being used to launder stolen goods Mm -hmm. like so, I don't know if you run Join Market, Slappy. No, I tried. Oh. Well, I didn't try that hard. Uh, okay. I, and I just but let's say you're let's say you're running Join Market. Sure. And you know of an address, a Bitcoin address that um, is stolen Bitcoin, and you had the ability to block that from. Uh, mixing with your your bitcoin would you block it yeah of course right so if you're running a service and you know that the service is being used for a lot of nefarious purposes that you could probably stop i mean you can think about this so many ways man like If you, you know, I don't, sorry to cut you off, continue. No, but do you have an obligation to not help this person get away with it? Like if you were owning a gun store and someone who you knew was going to use that to kill, like murder someone or themselves, would you sell them the gun? 
you knew for a fact not that there's a chance that someone might you know but like would you would you <laughs> or you had if a i was in a murderous mission. rage would you give me a knife and say here you go right or it was in a you know pretty you had pretty good suspicion yeah that he's yeah. gonna do it go somewhere else pal not not here and what would you say, like, you know, let's say a gun owner, like, he's like, yeah, I figured that guy was going to murder someone, and I gave him the gun. Like, you don't think he has an obligation? To, you know? Yeah. So, again, I don't think the Treasury should exist. I don't think OFAC should exist. But, like, you know, you're aiding and abetting criminals. And it's not like, it's not like something where it's, uh, um, I don't know. It's one thing if like, because we can bring it back to the Ross Ulbricht case because there was precedent um, that like you're you're not responsible um, for everything that necessarily happens on your platform. Right, and it wasn't that like Backpage or or no, uh, like like eBay, like eBay. They're not going to go take down eBay because someone posts something about an illegal something. I mean, they have a responsibility to take it down, but right, if you find it and you see it, then like yeah, then then you should take it down. Um, but it's like if you were to. You know, if you if you own a grocery store and someone walks in your grocery store and, you know, stabs someone in the face, like just because it happened on in your grocery store doesn't mean that you're responsible for that guy's actions. Yeah. If that were the case, the state would be in trouble because a lot of stuff happens on their public roads. Right. Um so if you have like if you have knowledge that something's gonna happen and the ability to stop it without that much of a of an uh, hassle, we'll say, to yourself, do you have an obligation to intervene? And even if you say no, is it that far out of the state's already general operation that they would disagree so my point is saying like you may disagree that the guy who's running tornado cash had an obligation to you know prevent some of these uh these heists from mixing their uh mixing their uh the the theorem and, and whatever through it but like so you may disagree with that, but you're also like, can you make the case that this is like some landmark, you know, crazy thing that like the state's coming out of left field and attacking privacy? I don't think so. Yeah. No, I was going to say like, you could, you can make a legitimate argument that you don't have an obligation to act, but we do know what the state does. Right. And the way I'm understanding what's going on here is I don't think it's doing anything out of the ordinary. And, you know, I mean, take, I don't know if this is exactly where you're going, but it's like, obviously I'm against the state taxing people. I still file my taxes every year because 
I know what they do to people who don't. And it's like, they're going to come get me. I might as well pay them. It's like, if you're trying to launder money, like, what do you think is going to happen? Right. Whether you think it's like moral or good, you're still there. I mean, that's not an argument for them to do it, but it's just, what do you expect them to do? Right. Yeah. And and I know like some pushback would be, I think it's legitimate pushback would be like, well, you're, you're not acknowledging the slippery slope is that they're going to use this in, as a pivot and as an excuse to clamp down on, on more stuff and mixing services in general and everything. Maybe, but like, you, like, what do you, how are you, you can't, you don't have any weapon to fight back or, or lever, not weapon, but like leverage to fight back on this one, because it's like, like what we were just talking about. This is within the state's purview. This is what they do. This is like not, shouldn't be surprising that they would go after these guys. So it's like, yes, they will probably use this as an excuse to start doing more stuff. Right. They will probably start clamping down on other coin mixers. And we saw it with, you know, Wasabi, how they're being in compliance and not going to, and, and blacklisting some addresses that are associated with stolen money. Like, should Wasabi coin join the Bitcoin stolen from uh, Mt. Gox? I would say no. Like, I think they, I think morally it would be incorrect for them to see this Bitcoin coming from that. And, uh, and process and, and mixing it. And they have to do that because they run the, uh, I guess the maker for the, for the mixing as opposed right. to like join market, which is actually like a decentralized, Completely decentralized protocol. You just kind of run what's what, whatever you're running. So if you're expecting Wasabi, that company, that centralized service to run the mixing ultimate, like run that going, like you can't expect them to go out on a limb for you. Right. Because they're a target well, for the state. You can, but it's not going to end well for you. Right. You're just not going to do it. Um, so this is why, like, you just have to build better tools that are more difficult to attack. And so that's why I, I like join market because it is a lot more difficult to attack. Like, I think you have a reasonable, um, well, because you're just, just like, there's a bunch of different, um, uh, people running, uh, offering their Bitcoin up to mix. Like you could just, it, it's hard to pin down on, on anybody who's like, well, who, who mixed their coins with this bad person? Uh, I don't really know. <laughs> right. Where it'd be difficult to no figure way to out. tell. Or yeah, like you said, very difficult to find out. And there's no central organization that's saying like, yes, that shall do this. It's up to the individual to set their own rules for stuff. Uh, just like it's up to the individual in the case of Wasabi or Tornado Cash to set rules for how they're going to operate. Um, 
I had another point I want to say. I forgot. That's what happens when you talk off the top of your head. Mm-hmm. Need bullet points. Yeah. I should, like, do notes. But I've been not home much in the last few weeks, and I had to at least mow some of the lawn when I got home tonight because it was... Yeah, I got to do that, too. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Have we beat this horse <laughs> to death yet? Because I think it is... I think it's a difficult... I mean, this is not a simple issue. Not at I'm all. I'm kind of torn a little bit on it. Um, I mean, what do you do? Like, what do you think... This is just kind of more a philosophical question, but... So, you're on CoinJoin. You don't know who you're mixing with, right? But what if you knew that mm, there's a whole bunch of people, you know, stealing Bitcoin and mixing them there? Would you get off the service because you don't know who's who? Or do you say, well, I, and honestly, I don't know who is who, and I'm just using a decentralized service? Um, I mean, that's the reality of, of it right now is you don't know who's using You don't know. Life. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, I don't think the majority of it is uh is being yeah, used for neither, neither do i so yeah i'm comfortable with it like yeah I, I yeah it's like if you if you're driving for uber you might yeah, be, someone just rob the bank and driver. hops in and you're like yeah okay cool i mean it's possible it could happen right right and i think that's where it comes to like if if it starts being coming known that like most stuff is being used for bad stuff, then yeah. Or if in isolated cases that you have a pretty good idea, this guy's a bad dude doing a bad thing, then yeah, you should not do it. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I, I think you, you have... Um, what's it called? I'm trying to think of reasonable... Um, I mean, back when I was driving for Uber many moons ago, I definitely drove people. Now, this is a, you know, a legal thing, not so much a moral thing. Um, but there was definitely driving people to and from drug deals. I mean, that was very clear to me in the car what I was doing. I didn't know that before I picked them up and realized it on the way when they ask for, for a return trip and they run inside real quick in the neighborhoods I was driving in. Um, does that make me a criminal or should I have stopped? I, you know, I don't think it's immoral to use drugs or, right. you know, you know what I mean? Well, I mean, I, I think, think in that healthy. case, I don't want to support it. Yeah. In that case, it's, well, it's like, do you want to leave? Yes. You don't agree with him using or selling drugs, but do you want to leave him? in a bad neighborhood and get mobbed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and then also it's, it's like a matter of protecting yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you might decide to not drive around certain neighborhoods because you don't want to be in that situation and, and get picked up by a cop. Yep. That's watching. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I made sure not to talk too much because I didn't want to know, not that they would tell me, but I didn't want to know. Yeah. So what are you here for? A drug deal? <laughs> yeah. Actually, hey, just stopping in to say hi to a friend. All right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's kind of, I mean, these issues are complicated and it makes it more kind of murky when the state is enforcing uh, immoral laws. Immoral yeah. in the sense that um, they're not property crimes. 
Yeah. I mean, the whole disagree. drug issue is a whole nother conversation. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's why I think it's, this is why like having a decentralized service is better because you're not asking someone to take on all of this, uh, kind of, uh, take the weight of all of this on themselves. Um, like just the moral weight of having to, you know, live with what you're doing and also like the legal ramifications of it. Um, and I just think that having actual decentralization is like just a much more robust way of, of dealing with this. Like we know that the state doesn't like Bitcoin that and that the state has uh certain reasons to fight against it mm -hmm. and we're not going to be able to like sit there and be like bitcoin's not ready to fight the state yet oh we need time we need time or oh this isn't set up well like it can happen at a moment's notice mm -hmm. and either your network is able to sustain a state attack or it isn't and if it isn't I would rather know sooner rather than later. Yeah. If the state can destroy Bitcoin, Let's I would know like now. the state to destroy Bitcoin right now. Yes. Because the longer I wait, the more wrecked I'm going to be. Yep. So, you know, if this tornado cash thing just like destroys Ethereum, like I hear some people saying like, okay, so be it. It wasn't government hard. And, and people ought to know that. It should fail. And that you saves a lot these... of people for the future. Yeah. Yeah. Like the state is actually doing, um, doing itself a service and everyone else a disservice by allowing these things to linger. Because the more people think that like Ethereum is good and safe and, and all this stuff, they're going to start dumping more of their money into it until mm -hmm. when they finally snap the trap on them. And, all these people are going to be wrecked. And that's like what you said right there. Um, when you're saying like, you know, do we want the government to stop fraud and all this? Well, like we know, we know the government wants to stop Bitcoin. Um, and as you just said, if they can do it now. Yeah. I why, mean, why do we want to wait till we're in so deep? You know, we're going to lose a lot if they do it 10 years from now. So do it now if it can be stopped. And I don't believe it can be. And that's why I believe in Bitcoin and why I yeah. don't like Ethereum. Well, it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier, too, with uh, with Bernie Madoff in that. Like the SEC was notified several times that Bernie was running a Ponzi scheme mm -hmm. and they ignored it. And they didn't do anything until it crashed. And well, uh, in fairness to the SEC, they did investigate him. They went to his office and went through all his papers, which oh, he yeah, gave them fraudulent papers. Yeah, he said they did nothing. They they did nothing ultimately, but they did try. Like they're just not right. They're incompetent. They're incompetent. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and so the longer that. Bernie Madoff was allowed to run his Ponzi scheme, the more people he hurt. Yep. 
So I think if you ask the people that lost money in, in Bernie's Ponzi scheme. They wish he said, got blown up in the 70s or whenever he started. Right. Exactly. So um, I don't think we should like ask for state attacks because, you know, the, the longer Bitcoin is able to kind of. The more hard it gets. And, and mature and develop, the stronger it's going to be. But I mean, <laughs> you know, when it's showtime, it's showtime. Mm-hmm. And that's why like Bitcoin or uh, Ethereum is just like such a basket case of disasterness. It's not going to be able to su- sustain government attacks. Clearly. It's, and so like, you know, while we don't want the government like meddling and stuff, if we want the cream to rise to the top and and to actually have government hard money, we kind of ought to like not support government acting, you know, government's actions, but have an appreciation at least for what's happening. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the government's not going to play softball with Bitcoin. But nope. hardball with everybody else. I think half the reason why the state hasn't been doing much about Bitcoin is because they kind of know they can't do much about Bitcoin. It's the same reason why the CDC just changed their guidelines on masking is because people stopped following it. So they need to, um, you know, keep some credibility and be like, nah, it's not that they're just ignoring us. It's that we're telling them. Like right. the if the government tries to attack Bitcoin hard now, they're going to fail and it's going to make them look stupid. Yep. Yeah. And I also think that people just don't have an appreciation for just like massive scams that exist that they could just like, yes, there are things that are out there that are just all fake. And we've been talking about Bernie Madoff. I think that's a, that's a good good example, but they can go for years. Mm-hmm. And then eventually just blow up. I mean, the other thing, everyone always compares it, uh, but I think it's a good comparison, is Theranos, that pharmaceutical company or medical device company, whatever it was, where that girl just like ran a fake company. And it was a public, it was publicly traded, right? Yeah, I believe, I believe it was. And like, you know, she was on these lists of being like the super CEO and this young trailblazer and everything. And his company was getting all this credit and it was all fake. Um, I, I don't think people have an appreciation for like how a charismatic leader can really get people to, to do stuff. I mean, I was just at a conference this weekend and, and the keynote speaker they had was, uh, was fantastic. Uh, like one of the best talks I've ever heard in my life. And he was a former like guy who was high up in the air force. And so when I heard him like what it was and he's like, Oh, he's a fighter pilot. And you know, this Colonel and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, ah, this military status guy. Oh, I don't like him. (laughs) But like he won me over. And it wasn't about, I mean, he used his military experiences for what uh, the purpose of the talk was, was about teamwork and having a, a, you know, well-structured team that was all working towards the same goal. Um, But man, like he won me over, even though I'm, you know, Mr. Hardcore Anarchist, but 
he gave a fan, he was extremely charismatic and gave a fantastic talk and had every single person in that room captivated. Um, but right now he's doing, and he's more than like a motivational speaker. He goes and like now his business, now he, he retired from the military. Um, so what he does is he, he has like a consulting firm where he kind of helps you identify problems with how your business is operating as far as like your team coordination mm-hmm. and, and fix it. So now he's, now he's using his skills for good. And, you um, know, of, you know, obviously, I mean, we're on the same page with the military, but like, if you don't think army Rangers are impressive physical people, right. physical specimens or, or Navy SEALs and, with the teamwork stuff, yeah, we're against the wars. We're, you know, the whole, again, in a whole nother talk. But if you're there, you better be working together and be able to trust each other. Mm-hmm. So while he was, you know, using it for what he was using it for, which really just said was good in the case of consulting with businesses, getting their teamwork better, just because someone's like really good at something, and a charismatic leader, and this should be obvious, doesn't mean that they can't just use it for bad. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably easier to do it for bad because you can, you don't have to like actually develop a product or a real service. You can just lie to people and your charisma and your, and your charm and everything just wins people over and they start sending you money. Um, and it's just for fake. For example, the altcoins. Right. That's why I bring up for like Ethereum is that like people don't, I don't think people either aware of Bernie Madoff and Theranos and, and some other big scams and everything, but I, I don't think that it ever like, I don't think these people really were involved in these things while they were happening and while everyone still thought it was good they can kind of look at it afterwards and have a, a hindsight, a 2020 hindsight and be like, Oh, well, look at all these signs. How did you not see that? And, and, uh, these, I can't believe these people, all these people fell for it. And we were every once in a while talk about that, uh, USI tech thing that we lost some money in. And cause we were kind of blinded by the, the greed mm-hmm. of what was going on. Um, so I think it's very difficult for people to discover something, discover a product or a service and get blinded by the, all the money they're going to make and, and get, especially when you have a charismatic leader or a person telling you, Hey, this is great. And, and they're very, very charming, attractive people. Like I was saying, like I thought this, like this, this talk was, was Wait, amazing. So had me you think, Vitalik Buterin is charming and attractive. <laughs> I Put mean that, that on the record. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean that in a uh, not a necessarily literal way. <laughs> gotcha. Now I do um, know what you're saying. He can. He can. Charming and attractive is, and he can sell something. He clearly can. And he's people. a smart guy and people like smart people. Yes. And we'll listen to smart people. Even if they're like, scamming you. 
a good example with this guy that gave the talk is that he was selling his books at the conference afterwards and was, you know, signing them and everything. Um, if he did not give that talk, he probably would have had like two people walk up to buy his book. Right. But because he gave that talk, like he sold the book, um, giving that talk. And so he had a line of people that wanted to buy it afterwards. So you can absolutely do that with uh, <laughs> with anything. And we see it with Ethereum. And I mean, the guy like Roger Veer did it with uh, Bcash and everything. And, and uh, you know, Monero, you know, you pick your Monero, you pick your, uh, you pick your altcoin and, and, you know, you've got, you've got the same formula going on. So. You don't think all these attractive chicks are just in the altcoins? You know, they all are, but the one that DM'd me, I think she's actually interested in what I have to say about uh, what I'm thinking about the price of Bitcoin. Oh, today. yeah? Good. Good. So I'm sure you replied. Of course. Good. You're a good helper. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I mean, she also needed help with uh, transferring some money out of her because uh, she's a student. I need some help transferring yeah, money out. Yeah, this stuff can be confusing to those students. Right, right. Especially since they're, you know, so such a pretty girl, she's never had to do anything in her life before. So Yeah, so now she's trying to figure this out. She needs someone she can trust. Might as well pick the monkey on Twitter. Right, right. You know, just followed me two minutes before sending yeah. the DM. <laughs> yeah. Good, good. Well, I hope you were able to help her out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right. I was kind of rambly on that one, but usually when I think I am rambly and all over the place, those the episodes get the most downloads. So, <laughs> yeah, so download away. Now that I say that, this will get like seven downloads, and seven. people will be like, "Wow, you really stunk on this one." But the good thing is, no one would have heard it to to really rip you. So that's true. No, but I mean, I think. It is a little bit more difficult to navigate these waters um, in the sense that, like, what do we pick as a strategy? Because it's mm -hmm. not super obvious. And so I think it's important to have principle so that you can say, um, hey, this is bad what these people are doing. Um, and I don't like the apparatus that we currently have to manage this stuff. But while it exists and while it prevents other things from existing, it should still act according to that principle. Mm -hmm. Does it mean it's going to happen in practice all the time? No, but you know, you, I, I don't think it's a good idea just to throw your arms up and, and say, well, I believe that this system that doesn't actually exist right now is going to take care of the problems that are happening right now. Like, you can be against the police, but still call the cops if someone's breaking down your door or trying to murder you. Right. 
doesn't make but it hopefully you also that. own a firearm and you can protect yourself right still should call the cops yeah it doesn't make you less of an anarchist it just means that like hey yeah. you are in a bad situation and by no fault of your own you don't have all of the best options at your disposal so you have to use whatever's there yeah in fact even if you defend like let's say you defended yourself legitimately legitimate self-defense and you had to kill someone, you should probably call the cops right afterwards. You mean you don't, you shouldn't have just like a corpse decomposing in your yard or something? Yeah, that's what I mean. Or you should call them, and especially if it's legitimate self defense, uh, because if you don't, you're just going to get yourself in more trouble. Right. By them. And, you know, like you said, how do you defend yourself against the state? It's really challenging. You're going to have people flooding the uh, 911 call centers with, uh, I just found an old wallet that has Ethereum in it. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing at the time. Exactly. Someone else. Just holding it for someone else. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, so... Hopefully we help people, you know, and, and it's good to kind of verbalize what's been in my head because it helped me kind of think through this a little bit. Um, but yeah, they're, uh, they're, they're tough issues and it's murky and, uh, you know, sometimes you got to stare into the dark abyss of reality and realize that you don't have like that perfect solution, but you still have to make a decision. Mm-hmm. That's part of being an adult. Unfortunately. Yep. Oh, the other thing I wanted to say before we close this out, and I tweeted this yesterday or the day before, uh, we mentioned Ethereum moving to proof of stake. Um, and I don't think that Vitalik is just an idiot that doesn't know that proof of stake is a bad idea, uh, especially with the attack on tornado cash recently. I think that he made a deal with a government, um, for his freedom in exchange for making it a little bit easier to control Ethereum. So while Ethereum is totally centralized with its, you know, its nodes, because there's only like a few Infura and uh, Amazon servers that are running full Ethereum nodes because it's such a disaster to run. You know, they can they can change the rules however they want pretty easily. They just have to make a few phone calls. And with that running a few nodes, you can... Sorry, the cat's up here chewing stuff. You can also, you know, control what, what's in the mempools and everything. Um, as far as transactions being propagated through the network. But what would make it even easier for the state to control Ethereum is that you make it so that regulated, easily regulated centralized entities such as, such as exchanges are the ones that process transactions and control the rules um, instead of, you know, a minor running operation that's difficult to figure out who they are and where they are. So the, the one little thing that Ethereum might've had going for it 
proof of work they're getting rid of um, to just open up this massive backdoor to the state. So even though the state's not like directly controlling, wouldn't directly be controlling Ethereum, uh, basically every door that would be controlling Ethereum once it's over to proof of stake uh, is not AR-15 proof and they can kick down all the doors and put mm-hmm. a gun literally or figuratively like- in people's faces and tell them what to do. It's like every corporation isn't literally controlled by the state, but they all conveniently have the same opinions. Right. And so that's why for like the most important of things, like your money and the world's money, you don't want them to be influenced. You just don't want them anywhere to be able near to be it. influenced. Because, and we've talked about this before too. It's like, yes, I would, I wish businesses and corporations and and these centralized entities made better decisions and stood up for things better but like you can't ask someone else to fall on a sword for you like you know you you build this business maybe it's multi-generational but you at least spend your you know your life's blood sweat and tears building this thing up and then a guy in a suit can knock on your door and just say, uh, no. do this thing or else I just ch- shut you down. Well, it's like what we just experienced with the mask mandates and the lockdowns. Like, yeah, right. I wanted businesses not to enforce it or to say, please don't wear a mask. But they all did. And what right. can I expect them to, to go get fined or whatever? would pe- I don't even know what would happen, if anything, um, because I don't think they were laws most of the time. They were like demands or whatever, orders. I don't know. Um, so who knows what would have happened, but I can't expect some business owner who's like trying to survive and keep his doors open to take all these fines because I don't, want, because I don't agree with the policy. I can't expect that. I would love it, but I can't expect it. Right. Same with all this other stuff. Yeah. So, all right. I think we uh, we summarized it pretty good there. Yeah. Um, and the other the other point to reiterate is just that you have to build systems that are resistant to these sorts of attacks. And I think Bitcoin is the only one that is capable of doing that. And so that's why I hitch my wagon to it and, mm-hmm. and none of these other things because it's just not, they're not capable of actually working. Right. So, all right. Uh, that's all we got. Show notes page for this episode will be mcfugle.com slash 318. Um, also, a uh, quick shout out to, um, calling back to our talking about guests. Uh, in the beginning of the episode, mm-hmm. one of our guests for the uh, Get On Zero stuff, Sahil uh, Chattervedi. Chattervedi, yep. Chattervedi, yeah. Uh, was just on uh, Peter McCormick's podcast, What Bitcoin mm-hmm. Did, uh, talking about Get On Zero. And while I'm not really a big fan of Peter McCormick, uh, Sahil did a fantastic job on that episode. So. Um, made the case really well and, um, you know, convinced the guys, the other guys on the show that, uh, he wasn't absolutely crazy and got them to 
like at least repeat back what the point of get on zero is. So shout out to Sahil. We should get him back on the show sometime. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, he's, he's a good dude. I like him. So, all right. Uh, that's all we got. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next week. Peace. Bye.